You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Welcome back to another episode of The Food Code. I am very excited for today because this is a topic we are going to cover with an expert in the field of digestion and all things poop. Um, But so many people uh, struggle with digestive issues, and I think this is going to be very informative and educational um, for you. So I want to welcome Miss Allie Parkinson of Parkside Nutrition to the Food Code Podcast, and um, we're going to be talking all things digestion, bowel movements. It's not weird. We have fun with it. And then um, some recommended products and things you can do to improve your digestion. So welcome, Allie. Hi. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Absolutely. I think we should share with our listeners that we recorded this and then could not find the recording. So Allie has graciously agreed to come back for a second recording. So we are going to be respectful of your time, but I'm really excited for this. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Happy to talk to you guys again. It was a blast last time, so it'll be good. Yeah, yeah it was a swing and a miss with uh, being able to find the recording. So yeah. that's okay. We're going to do it again. It's going to be better this time. Um, so yes, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about you, what you do, um, how you kind of got into this field? and how it kind of became your passion? Yeah, um, I, I didn't really, I went to college, didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, and thought something medical would be interesting. Uh, went for pre-physician's assistant, and got to my, or you know, the last couple of years, and I had a professor saying, you know, I don't really think this is for you. Maybe you should look into this nutrition stuff. You're pretty nerdy about it. So I was like, okay. Um, and I found a certification just to kind of test the waters. That was really interesting. It was really focused on like, um, preventative, um, chronic disease prevention and like holistic nutrition. Um, so that was really interesting. I still couldn't find a nutrition program or graduate program that I, that really fit me. And then eventually I found university of Western States out of Portland had a hundred percent online program for masters in functional medicine and human nutrition. And that was just super fascinating. They partnered with Institute for functional medicine and I just love their approach for chronic disease prevention. And I felt like that was the way to kind of make the most difference was teaching people how to eat and live well, you know, 20, 30 years before they get these chronic diseases. Um, Cause I spent a little bit of time right after college working in a hospital kitchen and it was just so demoralizing seeing all these patients that were super, super sick with all these chronic conditions that I felt like really could have been addressed, you know, years and decades in advance. So I felt like that um, was how I could make the most impact. And I, Unfortunately, got to see that firsthand when my dad passed away in 2015 um, after 14 years battling um, cancer. And I went to his doctor's appointments and I asked, you know, you know, we're getting to the end of like the therapies that you have available to you. What can we do at home to help this or, you know, give us the best chance? And his oncologist said, you know, nutrition and lifestyle stuff that might help like 5% and it's really not worth, you know, depriving yourself of those, you know, foods or whatever. And I thought that was just crap. So I was like, well, no, I need to like 
be on the front lines of this and really help people and teach people how to how to just live longer from from the get-go so yeah i think honestly especially during this time you know for those of you listening at a later date this is during the covid 19 quarantine situation and i think if anything we can take from this you know tragic <laughs> pandemic situation that it, it it pays to be healthy like yeah. the people that are at the highest risk during this are people that are overweight that have pre-existing conditions, a lot of, you know, diabetics, type two diabetics, which I mean, is as harsh as it sounds like that's a, it's a lifestyle choice. You know, that, that is not something you were born into. Um, mm -hmm. that, are, that is based on the choices you make for your food, for your lifestyle, for your movement. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is so much of it is preventative, um, you know, in nature. And so I love that that is a passion of yours. Cause I think obviously Liz and I feel very similar. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a very similar experience when my mom was passing from ALS. Um, we would go into the clinics, we would talk with people, and we would ask about our diet. Obviously, it's a muscular um, dystrophy disorder, and protein is very important, um, right, for breakdown and repair. And yeah, most of the uh, registered dietitians were students that were in RD school, essentially, were giving her baseline, very low, uh, low quality. And, um, sure. it was just, yeah, it, it was just like the generic, like eat 0.6 of your body weight. Right. And, um, it was just very disturbing for me. So even though I, you know, I didn't go to registered dietitian route, that's a very large part of why I do what I do, because I also agree that most people can manage symptoms. I manage my Hashimoto's through nutrition and, uh, obviously prevent, some of these diseases that may show up later in life. So thank you for what you do. You are making an impact. I love it. <laughs> so let's dive into digestion. And, um, you know, I know you and I and Becca have some offline um, conversations about this. But most people don't understand when digestion actually starts. So we'd love for you just to walk us through kind of that process of digestion beginning to end. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. It's um, the easy way to think about it is north to south. So um, a lot of people think that digestion begins in your mouth, but it really begins with your brain and your eyes and your senses. So a good example or um, analogy for this is when you walk into your grandma's house and she's cooking, you might not have been hungry, but you smell it. You start to, you know, salivate you see the freshly cooked cookies and it just like everything starts and you weren't hungry, but all of a sudden your stomach starts to rumble and you feel those digestive juices churning and you're like, wow. And that's just like a perfect display of what, you know, hunger and digestion should look like. Um, we should be able to secrete enough digestive enzymes to fully digest things. We should be chewing our food so thoroughly so that by the time that food actually gets to our stomach, we have enough um, digestive juices and stomach acids secreted to properly break that stuff down. We should be in a calm state so all of those juices can get secreted. The nervous system is on the right um, kind of channel, so to speak. So we have the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. So you can think of these as fight or flight or rest and digest or relaxed. If we're in that heightened state of chronic stress, even if we don't feel like we're, you know, we're pumped up, ready to run away, modern life kind of gives us <clears throat> that kind of feeling all the time, whether it's driving somewhere or you're stressed about work or stressed about finances or in, all of those things can kind of put you in a chronic state. And it's not to say that like you're not digesting your food at all. Of course you're breaking it down, but we're looking for optimal function. And so if we can, if there's a way to improve something, we kind of want to. So those little things of just 
you know, sitting down to your meal and like trying to be calm away from distractions, looking at your food, really checking in with your body and seeing when you're full or am I really actually um, digesting this and chewing this and taking the time. Um, that really sets everything up because if it's a north to south process, if you know, say there's an issue at the stomach, so you're getting a lot of bloating or heartburn. Well, it's not usually a, a necessarily a problem that started at the stomach. It's probably one step north of that that's causing the issue. So if we can kind of fix things up here, like everything else below that usually goes a lot smoother. Um, and same thing down in the intestines, if, if something's wrong at the colon or we're having constipation, it's usually not necessarily a problem right there. It's something that's trickled down from farther north in the process. And I mean, I think that I feel like that's entire, the entire body. You know, if you have knee pain, it's probably yeah. not the knee. It's your hip, your ankle. Like, you know, it makes sense that the digestion is exactly the same way as the rest of the body functions. <laughs> it's not just one piece. There's lots of pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, so it's not isolated. Yeah. No, no. Um, so can you give us some signs as like when digestion isn't optimized, what that looks like? Um, you know, some signs that people can kind of watch out for, some symptoms that people tend to have. Yeah. So I think a big one. Um, big one and most common and it's common and it's, it's, but it's become normal, right? So like constipation, chronic loose stools or chronic diarrhea. Um, and to put some numbers to that, I mean, uh, constipation, the clinical definition I think is less than three bowel movements a week. That seems really <laughs> that seems ridiculous. drastic to me. I mean, just from like, that would be very uncomfortable. I would not be a happy person if that was the case. Um, so going to the bathroom for me, at least every day, I think is what we should be striving for. And as far as like optimal health, if not, you know, multiple times a day, um, the frequency and consistency obviously play a role as, uh, as well. So if we're having like, you know, one very hard, very small stool every day, that's not really still an indication of optimal function. They should be easy to pass. Um, they shouldn't be too loose or explosive or anything that is, you know, just that isn't comfortable. It should be a natural, easy process. Mm -hmm. um, and so just highlighting that fact for a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's not, you, that's not how I experience it. And so yeah. Cause not a lot of people talk about it. I always had, I had a patient at the clinic I used to work at and she had all these lists of um, issues and conditions and she kept answering all my questions like, yep, I'm fine. I'm fine. That's not an issue. No, I'm good. My digestion's fine. I'm like, I just can't be it. Um, and I was like, how many times do you go to the bathroom every day? Um, she's like, Oh, not every day, you know, like once a week. And I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that was a, <laughs> that was an easy, like she came in for weight loss and that was definitely an issue for her, but it, that was one thing like quality of life factor that I felt that we could address quickly and, you know, help get things literally moving in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are there things that you recommend for people, you know, with IBS, with SIBO, with, you know, colitis, gut? I mean, obviously those are all very different um, situations with the gut and with the intestine situation and passing of food and digesting and absorbing of food. Um, but obviously it's a hard life to live when you feel like you can't eat things, um, you know, when you can't in enjoy foods that you love. Um, what would you say for people that are coming mm -hmm. to you with those, you know, autoimmunes or conditions with the gut that they're then able to, you know, make improvements and start in introducing more foods? What do you typically have them start trying to do? Um, yeah. So obviously it depends on the person, but, um, yeah, that el el initial elimination phase I think is really important and just getting them to a baseline that they feel good at. Um, I think it's also a case of mindset 
and not creating fear around a lot of foods because people are like, oh, I can't have dairy or this will happen. Mm -hmm. Then I think it can start to become like a hypersensitivity reaction, like mentally. <clears throat> They're like, wow. oh, I knew I had gluten in that. Like, I'm going to have digestive issues. And it's like, well, maybe not. Like, <laughs> just yeah. relax. So I think that's also like an education piece to definitely include. It's like, these foods aren't bad because I just um, started a friend on elimination diet. And she's like, I, didn't, I thought I ate healthy, but I had no idea I was eating all these bad foods. And I was like, they're not bad. They might just not be you know, contributing to your health right now. Like we just need to take them out for right now and see if we can add them back in later. We probably will. We're not going to cut them out forever, but your body, I think overall body burden is just so high. So maybe that's environmental toxins or something else you're being exposed to, or just really high stress that, you know, handling dairy is the last thing, last straw to kind of break the camel's back, so to speak, as far as like your body burden. So I think that plays a role. Um, as far as adding food back in, um, like I said, getting them to that baseline where they feel really good and then probably honestly adding back the food they miss most. So for, if they're on a strict elimination diet and someone really misses eggs in the morning, um, we can test those different ways. So, um, whether it's baked in something, baked goods, um, and then also if it's just like a scrambled egg, um, testing those types of different, um, modes, um, the different types of dairy. So we can figure out what component of dairy is an issue. Is it an allergy to one of the proteins? Is it, um, you know, a lactose and lactose intolerance issue that can, can be managed by having some supplemental digestion or digestive enzymes on hand. Um, so just trying to like really figure out what the problem is and then, um, kind of slowly reintroducing. Also, I mean, I think as we start to vary the diet, you kind of, I think, build up some robustness as far as your digestive um, power. So I think that does get better over time. I think it's just a case of being really patient, unfortunately. Yeah, I had that happen. So I very much like your friends, you know, I thought I was eating and I was eating all very good, healthy, clean foods, right? Um, and I had some testing done and went through an elimination period. And for me, it was eggs, dairy, almonds, <laughs> um, and then some really other strange things that kind of popped up that I avoided for a while. But, you know, I love what you say about the load on the body that, you know, the inflammation reaction that we're having is a, it's basically your check engine light that something's going on. We don't know exactly what it is, but if we can lighten the load for a little while, we can reduce inflammation. It allows your bodies to start functioning a little bit better and allows your gut to kind of regain the ability to tolerate some of these foods, right? So I know personally that I can have almonds now, whereas I did have to cut them out for about nine months before, um, but I just don't overdo it. Um, same thing with dairy. I can have certain forms of high quality dairy, but when I get into kind of like this threshold of maybe having you know, too much, I get that kind of constipation or that bloating or the backup. And so I think it's really important, you know, just I love what you said about you know, bad foods, like none of these foods are bad. It just might mean that you have to remove them to lighten the load for a, a short period of time. And I just wanted to clarify that again for our listeners, because, you know, I know so many people like moralize food as good or bad. And it's, it's really not like food is either nutrient dense and tolerable, or it's not as nutrient dense and not as tolerable. Right. Yeah. I say less awesome. I'm like, less awesome, still food. Still yeah. okay, because I never want to give that. I think that mental like connotation with certain foods is just so powerful. You're like, oh, I had gluten, so I'm going to feel sick. And like that's an instant scenario and in, like reality you create for yourself. And it's like where there's, there are truly people that tolerate dairy and gluten and all of the foods just fine. If we do that elimination phase and we truly figure out how that stuff affects you, 
cool, we have that information. Like you said, you know what to expect now from having dairy and you know what your threshold is. I'm the same way. If I have too much of it, I'm like, okay, I'm getting a little nasally here. <laughs> like maybe back off a little bit, but now I know and I can make that decision. What would you say is your number one trigger with dairy? Um, triggers and like what happened, like uh, symptoms like, or? Yeah, when you can tell. So for me, I'll just say like ice cream is when I get really nasally or just kind of like feel like blah. But mm. so it's probably not just the dairy, right? It's sugar yeah. on top of the dairy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Ice cream. Um, probably when I do have dairy, it's probably in the form of cheese. If anybody, I don't buy like brie cheese or anything like that. I have it on hand, but if it's at a party and it's on like some more derby plate, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to be snoring tonight probably because I'll, I'll i'll wake myself up it's like mouth breathing my mouth is so dry because i can't breathe through my nose <laughs> i'm just like okay overdid it <laughs> do you think that there is a period of time sometimes when people reintroduce foods that like it is normal and somewhat okay to deal with a little bit of discomfort as the body like recreates digestive enzymes to tolerate it and you know it's it's not necessarily like you're never going to be able to handle it right. if you start feeling a little off when you start reintroducing it yeah, and I think that's a super good point with dairy, especially because um, quite often, I mean, it's natural to have lactose intolerance after two years old and we start, you know, weaning from mom. We don't naturally produce those lactase enzymes as or in the same proportions as we used to. So that's, in effect, a natural process, but our um, microbiome or gut bacteria naturally take over that process. And so sometimes, yeah, we take out dairy for like six weeks. It's like, cool. Well, we killed that bacteria or decreased their populations in our gut from not feeding them with dairy. So now you have dairy and it's not metabolized and broken down as well, um, which can, it's definitely a thing. Um, but I think, like you said, like adding it back in and slowly amount. So you literally help grow that bacteria back up again. So you can tolerate that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what we'd find out after elimination diet. So do you just get symptoms after like having, you know, is it, is it a casein and whey? If that stuff's okay, cool. It's not an allergy. Maybe it's just a lactase issue or we cut it out for a long period of time. So if we add it back in slowly, that should be able to be tolerated pretty well. Is there anything that you recommend to people, um, you know, as a gen pop general population for helping with supporting digestion? Um, digestive enzymes are my favorite just to have on hand. Even I like them in cases of like emergency or you have a stomach upset or you think you might have gotten a little bit of like food poisoning or something like that. Um, or if you just have an upset stomach, um, I really like just having digestive enzymes on hand. If anybody has like a history of like uh, reflux, heartburn, GERD or anything like that, just making sure that you don't have one with, um, stomach acid or HCL, mm -hmm. hydrochloric acid, um, cause that will likely burn and be uncomfortable. Um, you can always take like Tums or something like that to bring the pH back up. So you stop that burning if you feel like you had too much, but, um, just a basic, uh, digestive enzyme that has like lipase, amylase, um, proteases. Um, you can get some with ox bile, especially if someone has, uh, doesn't have a gallbladder. And so like high fatty foods or high fat meals are going to just kind of tend to run right through them. Um, and that's not, again, not necessarily that it was bad food. It was just, you don't have a gallbladder to store the bile. So when you have that big fatty meal, usually you would just, you know, your gallbladder would contract and it, you could break down all that fat at one time. Now you kind of overloaded the system a little bit. So it's just going to get rid of that bile or that fatty bolus really fast. So you might have diarrhea. Um, but so in that case, you, you could have like an ox bile supplement um, to have on hand so you can actually break down and absorb those nutrients because that's full of a lot of good fat soluble nutrients like A, D, E, K uh, vitamins. And you're not getting those if you don't have 
um, a gallbladder and you're not breaking down your fat efficiently either. So some sort of way to just help um, digestion is just really useful, um, I think, to have on hand. It's amazing how many clients Liz and I have talked to that tell us they don't have a gallbladder and we're never told to keep a little bit of a lower fat diet or, yeah. you know, not as big of fat meals. Yeah. Um, I, I oh, just, and they start keto. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. Totally. It's insane. I it's can't insane. tell you how many people I know that have either ended up in the hospital or just felt really, really bad for a few days. And my first question is your doctor never mentioned to you that you should be on a lower fat intake or that you should be avoiding some of these, you know, like bacon and like super greasy foods. And they're like, nope, never was told that. Just kind of, you know, gave yeah, problem. Me. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very um to me almost disturbing because, you know, people do start some of these diets thinking that it's the right way because that's, mm -hmm. you know, what the media tells them or what they've been told. And there's not this kind of like big asterisk that, hey, you shouldn't be doing keto if you don't have a right. gallbladder, right? Because it's life-threatening, actually. Um, and so anyways, we could go down another rabbit hole yeah. for that. Yeah. But I know you mentioned earlier um, kind of the frequency and the normalcy. Uh, so can you tell our listeners, I know that we are going to link out this poop guide, but just kind of what your optimal goals would be as far as um, like the frequency. So you said once a day for sure, uh, but two, three times a day, what does that look like? Um, I like to think of it as like, you know, I mean, I don't have kids, but I'm told like feed a baby, they usually poop afterwards. And so that's a natural I'm getting nods. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's true. Quick note, Carson yeah. as a baby, I breastfed him. So like, I've been told that breastfeeding is different because they get like, they use like literally all of it. Carson mm -hmm. would go 10 days without really. Pooping. And the doctor was like up to two weeks is normal. But obviously, as he started introducing solids and stuff, it became more yeah. normal and disgusting. Um, but yeah, like when he was breastfeeding this poor child, I was like, he doesn't seem uncomfortable. So I think it's okay. But literally would go like, at one point, I think it got to 15 days. And I was like, I'm just going to give him a capsule, a suppository, yeah. and just make sure this child poops. <laughs> <laughs> just makes the nutrient density. Like he's using all of it. Yeah, versus that's like, what I was told. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, not for adults. <laughs> yeah. Not for adults. Yeah. No, we're not that efficient. I don't think. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, going, I think after you eat is fairly normal. It's kind of stimulating the whole digestive process. Like you said, so you, you're starting to chew like that tells your body that things need to move along and having food go through the stomach, um, signals your, the smooth muscle in your intestines to keep everything moving. Um, so I think that's a fairly normal process. Again, I wouldn't stress out if you don't poop every time after a meal, that's fine too. Um, but yeah, at least if you're going once a day, um, that's pretty, that's usually what we're looking for. Um, and then again, like, how are you going? Is it like my poop guy, there's a picture of like me doing a max lift or something. It's like, you should not look like this in the bathroom. Basically, it's like, it should not require yep. max effort. It should be effortless. Um, and just, you know, a reasonable consistency. And there's a, uh, I think in there too, a Bristol, if you look at the Bristol stool chart, you should be right in the middle, not too loose and not like hard pellets. So, okay. so the other piece that I want to touch on is the smell. Like I've always said, like your poop shouldn't smell awful, right? Like you shouldn't be wanting to leave the room because you have either a small amount of gas that's going to clear, clear out uh, the space or that your smell like lingers in the bathroom for a long time. So can you touch on that just briefly? Yeah, that could be a sign of dysbiosis. I think it's kind of, yeah, relative to each person. I do have a, a patient at the clinic that her primary concern is like, she's like her husband's complaining about her gas and that was... <laughs> 
that was the primary concern. So like, that was, it's hard to judge because it's a little bit subjective. So like week to week, I'm like, how's, how are things improving? She's like, well, he's still complaining. I was like, well, um, but in, we started with basic digestive um, protocols, like digestive enzymes. We started adding a probiotic, which she had a hard time adjusting to. And that's not unusual too. So we like half the capsule, we would um, put half the capsule in um, some yogurt or something. And so then we eventually built her dose up from there. And, and from that, it's, it's getting better. Um, but just basically addressing any other digestive issues. But I agree, it shouldn't be like so foul um, that it's, you know, debilitating or affecting other things. Do you have any products? I know you talked about digestive enzymes, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, I know that we looked on your website a little bit. I take the Designs by Health, um, Designs for Health. Designs by Health? Designs by Health. Um, Designs for Health digestive enzyme, um, mm -hmm. I love. Uh, I take it with each meal um, because I have, uh, I've gotten some blood work done and I am extremely low levels minerals. I'm kind of depleted in terms of cortisol. Um, so like I'm working on improving my absorption of nutrients, eating more, stuff like that. Um, do you have any products that you recommend to clients for constipation or is it more lifestyle things that you, or, I mean, obviously maybe a combination of both, but something that like can provide a little bit more immediate relief that's safe for people other than Miralax, which way too many people take on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Just like with anything else in nutrition, it's like you got to do the lifestyle things mm -hmm. first most of the time, unless, you know, if it's, we can add supplements at the same time, but it's not by any means like a cop out, like you have to do the work still. But yeah, simple things like water, movement, um, and then vitamin C is a natural laxative as well, which I think is one common one. I didn't know when I first read that. Um, and it's a great way. I mean, a lot of vitamin C powders you just add to water. Granted, some of them have a decent amount of sugar in them, but you find one that's lower in sugar. It makes you drink water. It also makes you go to the bathroom, and it's something you can steadily increase throughout the day. So if you get up to like 6,000 milligrams, that sh you should definitely see a um, movement after that. Um, but you can take, you know, like 500, 1,000 milligrams um, consistently throughout the day until you see that effect, and then you can kind of, fi kind of find your dose. It's also going to probably make you drink water if you use the powders to put in there you can also take it as a sub or as a capsule obviously as well but um that's a really one of my favorite ways to kind of get things moving um of course magnesium works as well um i find the combination of a probiotic and a digestive enzyme work really well some people can get away with just one helps them go um but the combination um is usually like the next step um to helping that helping that go but also obviously making sure they have fiber and all those other um those basic things first as a foundation Awesome. Cool. So with the probiotic and the digestive enzymes, um, I, we can link them in the show notes, but can you share the brands that you have found that you really yeah, like? Yeah, there's quite a few. I'm not super picky. There's, um, it's just whether people have a history of any like, um, esophageal or stomach, um, inflammation like reflux GERD or anything like that. Um, then it's really important to kind of probably address those first, um, before, um, adding like stomach acid to it, but you can find ones that don't have um, the HCL in them, which are a little bit more gentle to start with. Um, but pure encapsulations is one we use. Um, Thorn Research Biogest um, is one that we use as well. And then was it Protocol for Life? It's a red label. Protocol for Life Enzymes dash HCL um, are a couple of the ones that I'll use. But cool. yeah, what about probiotics? The same brands. Um, probiotics, uh, super individual based on what their, um, 
issues are, if they have any other autoimmune conditions or like IBS-D or IBS-C, um, usually personalize off those. Um, Saccharomyces boulardii is a really good one for autoimmune conditions or if they have other um, signs of like intestinal permeability, that's supposed to be a really good one. That's a really well-researched well ones. And I think I usually use the, oh, I think it's pure encapsulations and or protocol for life, um, but. Yeah, I've heard actually as well, because I know some clients of mine have gone on probiotics um, that they've found and experienced like more gassing and gas and bloating. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been told before that it's because a lot of them have prebiotics in them as well. And the prebiotic is actually the thing that's like causing a lot of that. Um, have you found that or what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. I mean, most uh, probiotic products do come with a certain amount of prebiotics. Um, I usually don't find it's a, it's enough unless they're taking an additional supplement that is like FOSS or GOSS or another pure supplement that, that is prebiotic fiber. If it's just the small amount that's in the probiotic supplement, like packaged together, I don't find it's usually an issue unless it's a large amount. It's usually not. Mm -hmm. Um, but that might cause some issue. And some people just have an issue with introducing that new bacteria to yeah. the environment. Yeah. Um, so sense. usually just half the dose and build up really slowly. Cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Very interesting. I think this will help a lot of, a lot of people. So, um, Allie, will you just leave us off with where they can find you and then what you are giving, um, to our listeners? Yeah. Um, so I'm probably most active on Instagram, Allie, A-L-I dot Parkside Nutrition, um, or Parkside Nutrition.com. Um, my newsletter, um, people get a lot of, um, information and, you know, first access to any like new YouTube or interviews or anything like that. Um, and a lot of resources on the blog. I have a free, yeah, like poop guide. I'm trying to remember what it's like your guide to smooth movements, bowel movements or something like that. <laughs> Try to be a little punny. Um, and then I also, uh, sometime soon, hopefully in the next week, I have a gut health quiz going out, um, where you can kind of uh, see how normal your situation is, and then it will be followed up with a very short ebook on some things on how to address those certain issues. So that's amazing. I love it. That's we awesome. all love our quizzes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, and thank you for redoing this episode oh, with of course. us. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. Thank you for spending your time with us. We are honored to be able to help educate you and improve your life. If you've enjoyed this, please take a screenshot share it on Instagram and tag us at lsn.coach and leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.